Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text today for the message will be taken from the reading we heard in St. Matthew's Gospel. We begin with the word of prayer. Almighty God, we give you thanks, Lord, that you have gathered us here so that we might hear your word and worship and learn to speak this word, Lord, to confess this truth before you and before the world. We ask you this day, O Lord, that you would fill us with courage so that we might be bold in proclaiming your gospel news to those who need to hear it, even, Lord, when it might be dangerous for us. We ask you now, Lord, that you would grant us your Holy Spirit and that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Escuchen y repiten, clase. Spanish. I don't know if you know that. That's Spanish. That's Spanish I learned when I was in high school, and that might be the extent of the Spanish that I learned when I was in high school. Escuchen y repiten means listen and repeat. And this is something I learned because our teacher would say it every single day because part of the class was hearing Spanish being spoken so that we could speak it faithfully. Like when we said it, it would sound right. It's one thing to read Spanish words on a page. It's another to say them out loud, to make sure you're saying them the right way. And so when we would go to class, we would escuchen y repeat, and we would listen and we would repeat. And it strikes me today that this is a very similar thing that happens in the life of a disciple. This is what we as Christians do constantly as we gather for worship. We listen and then we repeat what we hear. We hear and we repeat. Escuchen y repiten. Church A, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said it that way, I apologize. Uh, but when we do this in church, this is what we call confessing. Confessing. That is to say back what we have heard. To repeat what's been placed in our ears. Now, we know this kind of language. If you remember Romans 10, there's a very popular verse that says, if you confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, you will be saved. But that faith that has been placed in our heart and that confession that comes from our mouth always comes first through hearing. Because Romans 10 also reminds us faith comes through hearing the message. And so we hear and we repeat. We hear God's word and worship. And then as well, we learn God's word in Bible study. And that's how we are learning to speak the language of faith. When you come to church, what happens here in the service, there's a number of things going on. One, and most importantly, is that Jesus Christ is coming to you. He is giving himself to you by means of his word. He's giving himself to you by means of the sacrament where he puts his very body and blood into the bread and wine so that you will eat it for the forgiveness of your sins. But also in the worship service, the Lord Jesus is granting us the Holy Spirit. And the worship service kind of functions like a school of the Spirit where the Holy Spirit is teaching us how to speak the language of faith. And this is a crucial thing that we need in our world right now. Because we live in a world that speaks a different language. The world we live in uh, speaks and has different belief systems and they hear different messages which shape the way they speak. And so we as Christians need to learn how to speak the language of faith to speak light into this world of darkness. And that comes when we hear and we learn together. Of course, though, the devil, the world, and our own sinful flesh don't tend to like what we are saying. They do not approve of this foreign language that has been formed and saturated by the Scriptures. The devil and the world would demand that you speak their language, you believe their teachings, that you obey their commands. 
Jesus today in our reading from the gospel likens it uh, to school children sitting out in the courtyard making fun of each other and angry at each other because they can't seem to control uh, the way their friends are playing. We played a song for you and you did not dance. We played a dirge and you did not cry. You're not speaking or acting the way we want you to. And when this happens in the world, the world responds, not just merely as whiny children, but with anger and sometimes violence. And yet we as Christians are all called to take a stand upon the word that we have received. We are all called to confess this faith before God and before the world. We do this every week when we gather here for worship. We do this in the sanctuary when we are here in sort of a safe place to confess these things. But there will come a time in which we are called upon to confess this before others. And so the question that comes to you today, dear saint, is what will you say? What will you say when you are called upon to confess before God? When you are called upon to confess before the world? Sometimes that confession takes place in the history of the church in grand and in, in profound ways, on a big stage for everyone to see and to hear. Other times, it takes place in personal conversations with friends and family members when people are demanding of you, what is it that you actually believe? Today is Reformation Sunday, and this is the Sunday in which we remember the great reformers of the 16th century. That is Martin Luther and his friends who stood up and they confessed the truth of the Scriptures before God and before the world and before a church that had begun to speak a different language. The church in, in Jesus' day, on Jesus, in Luther's day, boy, you should never get those guys confused. Uh, the church in Luther's day was standing up and they were saying things like uh, salvation is not by God's grace alone. Justification, a right standing before God, is not by grace alone, but you have to contribute to it. You have to do your part too. Jesus has done his part in saving you, but now the rest is up to you. Even if it's just a little bit like a decision you have to make or some movement of your will, you have to contribute a little bit of something. It's not by grace alone. Jesus is not your Savior so much as he is a guide in how to be saved. And so Luther and the Reformers, they stood up and they said, no, no, that's not the way the Scriptures speak. And Luther and the Reformers began to speak the language of heaven as they simply said what St. Paul says in Ephesians, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. It is not by works so that no one can boast. For you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. He's the one who performs the good works through you. You are created in him. He does all the saving. You simply receive, and it's a gift by grace alone. And it's that simple truth, that grace alone truth, that causes the powers of hell to tremble and shake. And so many were sent to silence Luther and quiet his companions to stop them from speaking the language of heaven. Luther, for a time, was exiled. Many were persecuted. Some were even burned for confessing this truth. But we have to understand that this is the typical way the world responds to this confession. This is the typical way the message of salvation is received. This is the way the world treats Jesus, the Word made flesh. In our reading from the Gospel today, Jesus goes so far as to say this stuff was happening even in his own day, like with his cousin John the Baptist. He says this, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. Jesus reminds us of, of what happened to John. 
John, who was sort of this greatest of the prophets who stood up before Herod and called Herod out for his immoral living. He stood up before the powers of his day and exposed their sins. And as a result of it, what happened? He was beheaded. But this is similar treatment to what the prophets had received before him. It's the same sort of thing the apostles after him received as they went forth proclaiming and confessing the name of Jesus Christ. We can think today of the early church martyrs. The martyrs who, when they were either fed to the lions or used as like uh, fuel as torches in Caesar's parties, do you know what they did at those times when they were dying brutally for the faith? They sang hymns they learned in church. They sang the songs of heaven praising God for the salvation that awaited them. We can think of St. Athanasius who was exiled five times for simply listening and repeating. And again, Luther was the enemy of the state. And on and on it goes. You can think of the world at times as the history of the devil trying to silence the Word of God to stop this language from being spoken. But as I mentioned earlier, this doesn't always just happen on some great and grand stage for only the great and and wonderful saints in the history of the church. But all of us are called to confess our faith. All of us are called upon to listen and to repeat As I said, we do it here in a safe place, but the day will come when we may have to do it in a manner that's far more dangerous and costly and risky for us. So what will you say? What should you say? What little word will go forth from your mouth that will cause the gates of hell to tremble and shake and the world to respond in violence? Well, it is simply this. The word that your father began speaking over you in your baptism. The word that declares you righteous and saves you. This word. That Jesus Christ is Lord. That Jesus Christ who is Lord who has come into this world to rescue sinners from their sin, from death, and from the clutches of Satan. That Jesus Christ has put on flesh so that he might stand with sinners. Jesus Christ was crucified so that he might die for sinners. And Jesus Christ was raised from the tomb so that he might declare all sinners, no matter how bad the sins, forgiven and righteous before his Father. And that this Jesus who was crucified and raised now reigns over sinners with mercy and love. He looks upon sinners and he calls them his beloved saints for they belong to him. He claims them as members of his kingdom by saving them from the kingdom of Satan. But it's funny that I would say it to you in such a way today, because why speak in such generalities? Yes, this is a historical fact. These are the very things Jesus has done. But the thing that makes the devil most nervous is when you say, Jesus Christ has done this for me. And that is what I proclaim to you this morning. That is what I am here to place into your ears and your hearts. This wonderful news that Jesus Christ has done all of this, all of this for you. For you. And it's when we say that, when we hold on to that word, that for you, that for me Jesus has done this, that the devil gets very nervous because now we have the cry of faith. Now we're saying not only that Jesus is Lord, but that Jesus is my Lord. Not only that Jesus died, but he died for me, and I am saved and righteous on account of Christ. For me. And so today, this is what we're going to do. We're going to learn how to confess the for me-ness, that's a thing too, uh, of, of uh, Christianity. We're going to learn to confess our faith by doing a little escuchen y repiten class A, by listening and repeating. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to say a a little phrase here, and you're going to repeat it, all right? So here we go. This is how we learn to confess. Ready? Here we go. 
Jesus Christ died for me. Jesus Christ rose again for me. Jesus Christ is the Lord for me. Oh no, that's very good, class. You see, this is the foundation now, and this is the goal. Christ for me, Christ for you. And notice what happens here. We get this in our ears. It takes up residence in our hearts. We start to believe it, and we start to say this. Christ is for me. He is my Savior. But then what do we do? We go out, and we start telling other people, you know, it's for you too. And the reign of Christ uh, spreads, and the devil gets very nervous. And then what starts to happen for us is we want to learn more of this language. So we come to the Scriptures, and we go further up and further into the Word of God. And there in the Scriptures, we hear the words of law and gospel. The law which sort of shows us our sin, our false way of speaking, exposes these things in our lives so that we can spit them out of our mouths and give them to Jesus, crying out, Lord, have mercy on me. And Christ responds every time with, I forgive you, I died for you. And this language then teaches us about a God who created the world. How? By speaking. God creates the thing into existence by speaking it into existence. And there in his scriptures, he shows us how he wants the world to function, how he wants it to run, how he wants you to act in it, your role in this place. And then he shows you how how he has redeemed it from sin and death and the devil. All of this is given to us in the scriptures. And we learn to take a stand on these scriptures. Again, that's why it's so crucial for us here at Community Lutheran to talk about how we not only hear God's word and worship, but we learn it as we study it together. And it shapes the way we think and speak and believe. And this is something that is very important for us as Christians, especially in our world right now. Because as I watch the trajectory of our nation and I watch the trajectory of our world, I am no prophet, but it seems to me that the church is growing less and less popular around us. I don't know if you've noticed this which means the call to confess in a dangerous and risky way may be coming sooner than we realize. And it just may be that you may be called upon to stand up in a risky way to confess Jesus as your Lord. But what I'm noticing now is that this confession that the church is called upon to make, to take a stand upon the Scriptures, has expanded. And no longer are we just confessing that Jesus is Lord. We've also been called upon now uh, to confess things that are just kind of basic to the way the world works, the way the world was created. I mean, we're called upon now to confess the fact that God made the place and it's supposed to function according to his will. This means that as Christians, we may be called upon to confess the truth about marriage, that it's between a man and a woman, to confess the truth about birth, that that a child's life begins at conception. We may be called upon to confess the truth that racism is a wicked and evil sin and that God loves all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white. All are precious in his sight. We may be called upon to confess the fact that there is only one way to God and his name is Jesus Christ and anyone else who claims to give you a way to God and salvation, anyone else who claims to be God is a liar. And you may be called to take a stand upon scripture for these things and to be mocked for it, and belittled, and perhaps even attacked by your family, your friends, your community, and God forbid, even by those who claim to be the church. And so what will you do in that moment when the confession is demanded of you? What will you do when a relationship is risked because of this? Will you deny Jesus? 
Will you love your life so that you end up losing it, or will you lose your life so that you end up keeping it? I mean, Jesus has very harsh words for those who would deny him before the world. He says, if you deny me before the world, I will deny you before the Father who is in heaven. Harsh words. But you see, those words also remind us of something. Something that Martin Luther was, was very aware of as he stood up before like the, uh, the, the Holy Roman Empire and all the kings and princes, and as he stood there on trial before them to make a confession, Luther recognized he wasn't just standing before the world there on trial. He was also standing before God. But if you understand that God is a gracious Father, you also understand the nature of his presence there. That you might stand on trial before the world, but the world has you there so they can either control you or condemn you. But the Father who you stand before is a Father who loves you, who wants nothing more than to give life to you, who has forgiven you all of your sins and has given you His Son, Jesus Christ. And where the world would condemn you for confessing Christ, you understand that the Father you stand before has already declared you righteous and justified you on account of Christ. He's already declared you not guilty because Jesus Christ took your place. So that as you stand there and have to confess this faith, you need not be afraid, for the Father is there for you. And Jesus reminds us of this wonderful promise that you don't need to be anxious about what you will say, but say whatever is given you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And I think there that Jesus is saying, listen, that in that moment the Holy Spirit will be given to you and you will have the words to say. But understand that as we come here to church and receive the gifts of Christ and enter into the school of the Spirit, he's already brought us into the training process. As you come here and confess your faith, not only are you truly confessing your faith before God and the world, you're also being prepared by the Holy Spirit to confess the truth that you may have to confess before a world that doesn't want to hear it. But as you do such things, and as you are called to such things, remember the Lord Jesus Christ, and remember how he also made a good confession on your behalf, Jesus, who, who stood before Pontius Pilate and who stood before the religious leaders of his day and was called upon to confess the truth, and he did. He told the truth that I am the Lord of heaven and earth. And it was this confession that got Jesus crucified on the cross. But then, of course, he rose again from the dead and was seated at the right hand of the Father. And from there, he rules and reigns over all of us. And it strikes me today, do you know what he does at the right hand of the Father? What he's doing right now? The language of the scriptures is this. He is interceding on your behalf. We might think of it this way today. Jesus Christ is confessing your name to the Father. Jesus stands before the Father and he says, you see that one? You see that sinner right there, Lord? I died for them. I've paid the penalty for all of their sins. You should punish their sins, but I have been punished in their place. I stood condemned for them so they would stand righteous before you. Dear Father, they are yours. This is what Jesus says of you, even today, so that you can make this bold confession. Listen and repeat. Christ died for me. Christ rose for me. Jesus Christ is the Lord for me. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks that you have given Jesus Christ for our sake, that he has died and risen and now intercedes on our behalf. 
that he has died so that we are forgiven, so that he has died so that we are righteous in your sight. We thank you, Lord, that you have done all the saving work for us. Now make us bold to confess this truth to the world, Lord, so that we would be found faithful and so that others would come to know you. We ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen.